This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review speaking with Ron Huey, head coach of UH Women's Basketball Program. And let me say it plain, University of Houston Women's Basketball Program. Coach Huey, how you doing? Doing pretty good, Chris. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Always great to be here. So let's just take a few minutes and recap last season, and then we'll go forward about uh, this coming season and, you know, non-conference and conference as well. But uh, last season, you guys won, I believe, when what, 20 and 12? First time uh, in yes, sir. first time of years getting the 20-win plateau. So what did you like about last season, and what would you like to improve upon for this coming season? You know, the thing I love about last season was just having the opportunity to uh, go out and make improvements from the following year. You know, my first two years here and our staff's first two years here, uh, we had back-to-back six-win seasons. Um, my third year, uh, we got to 12, and this past year we went to 20. Uh, the other thing about last year was we wanted to go four or five games better so we thought we had a team that can go from 12 wins to maybe 16, 17 wins. But it was really, really exciting that the young ladies bought in um, to the culture, uh, to the expectations of the program, and the things that we were uh, determined to do um, to get to those 20 wins plateau. And what disappointed you, if anything, about last season? Yeah, the disappointment was, you know, like everybody else, once you get to, you know, 20 wins, uh, I think we had three or four more games after that that we didn't win. Um, we wanted more. We wanted more, and we kind of ended the season on a, a low note, even though we got to the NIT, um, not having Jazz and Harris play in that last game because of medical issues with herself and ended up losing that game at South Dakota, South Dakota State. Um, was uh, not the best part that we wanted to end on. But, again, we really, really liked that season. And going forward, you know, you're coming off a 20-win season. I would assume you, the staff, and the players are kind of anxious to build build upon the success of last season. So what have you and the staff and the team done thus far to prepare? Because, you know, now – I think you guys finished in the upper half of the conference. So now folks are circling the calendar, wanting to beat U of H. So what about that? Yeah, yeah. And, and we talked about that. Um, we'll, we'll no longer uh, be seen as um, a team that's going to surprise anybody. And we talked about that with our young ladies. So now the expectation is, you have to come in ready and prepared. So this summer, we uh, implemented, you know, all the above-the-line uh, things that Urban Meyer does. I've been studying Urban Meyer and um, Alabama football coach helped me. Really. Nick Saban. Saban. Yep. I've been studying those two philosophies, and we've been kind of combining them. Uh, about mentality, about being above the line, about being pushing your teammate, being competitive edge, about being uh, relentless effort every day and those kind of things. And, you know, and all circles back to being accountable. But we put together this schedule 
because, again, we think we have a team that can be able to compete at the national level and go beyond uh, what we did last year. In the summer workouts, summer sessions thus far, have you seen a difference in the players physically and mentally? Can you tell a difference? Oh, a world of a difference. This time last year, um, we were trying to go where we went uh, this past season, and it was a lot of ups and downs. Um, I can tell you last year there was probably at least one day a week where we wasn't going to be good in workouts, um, whether that was on the track, whether that was in the weight room, whether that was on the court. Um, this year, we only had one day where we were below the line. And below the line is where they're not holding each other accountable, where they're not talking like they're supposed to, where they're not being competitive like they need to, where they're not finishing through and doing everything to the best of their ability, where they're not uh, with a relentless effort and where they're not with an elite attitude. We only had one day like that this summer compared to probably we averaged one of those days last year during the summer. Um, at least um, our transfer who set out uh, has been tremendous, along with Maya, some of our other post player. Uh, I mean, they, because I put the onus on them, I told them if we had 10 to 15 points out of our post last year, we would still be playing right now. So they have big shoes to be able to jump into that we have to have an expectation of of throwing the ball inside and getting some production from. Um, we know it. Everybody we play know it and everything else. So, again, we wanted to be able to, to put a high concentration on that area to be able to uh, move forward and, and really, really be good. And seeing the team last season, the many times that it did, you are exactly correct. One of the major weaknesses was in the post, the lack of scoring, consistent scoring, you know, the lack of production, period, offense and defense at that at five spot was a big issue for, for the team last year. Is there – how uh, – among the newcomers, are, have they reported? Are they in summer school? Are they working out? How are they working out for you? Uh, we have Jada Stewart, who's here. Um, freshman that we find late. Uh, she's in her second week, so she's just getting started in second session summer school. Um, we have Diamond Gladden, freshman. She's here. She's been here the first session, going into the second session now. And Star Jacobs, who's uh, been here the first session, going into the second session. Uh, Keasia, um our transfer from Michigan is at home just because she will not play next year. So we just let her have some time at home with her family. And um, Doris, our JUCO kid, is finishing up a class, so she won't report until the end of this month after summer school. And Tatiana Hill is our other 6'3 freshman who just passed her SAT uh, and got a score that UH would accept. So she will not be in the second session of summer school, but she will be in the fall. And of the players you just named, 
uh, what are the height breakdowns? I think Diamond Gladney is five seven, five eight, five six, around there somewhere. What about the others? Yeah, he's five six. Um, Star Jacobs six one. Um, Tatiana Hills six two, six three. Uh, Doris five uh, ten, and Jada five ten. And Asia's three. And Jada Jada Stewart is the newest to the team because I believe she decommitted from Minnesota, right? Is that, exactly. is that the one? Minnesota, uh-huh. So you and your staff apparently have connections nationally now if you're able to get a player because I think Jada's from St. Louis area, but she committed to Minnesota uh, early last year or mid last year. And during that coaching change, she decided to decommit. So now, a few weeks ago or so, she committed to U of H. So that's a sign of national recognition for the program, right? Exactly. You know, and we're trying to continue to do that because Jada and Kiasia, you know, Kiasia leaving Michigan and coming here is not a typical kid we would normally have here as well, you know, just because coming out of Ohio. Um so we're trying to tap into some areas that we wouldn't normally tap into, but just to create it. And like you said, they've seen us play. That was the thing that helped us. And they saw us play well, and they know about Houston, um, just the city itself. And it was a thing that really helped us in, in landing both of those kids. And before we get into the non-conference schedule, just one, one more thing to ask you, because I believe – you and the staff just came off recruiting trips. What's it been like? Have you noticed uh, people talking to you differently, treating you differently now based on last season's success? Is it harder, more difficult from some folks saying, now you're getting too good? Or how's that go- been working for you? Um, <laughs> I, it, it reminds me of a conversation with Jose and – he, he felt like uh, Jose Span is a U- USF head coach. Exactly, I'm sorry. Exactly, South Florida's head coach uh, Jose, and he felt like we can get four in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, and that's the thing that he he thought we would be in that number. Um, the other thing was being out on the road and winning, you know, the 20 games, and a lot of people you know, congratulating us for getting the program turned around. And the one thing they always say is Houston has always been known for having really good teams. So it was good to see Houston back to, you know, 18, 19, 20 wins, you know, and that, that felt pretty good. And saying that now, it's more, it's higher expectations for you and the staff. I would assume that people around UH campus open their eyes, you know, based on last season's success and they'll come to you and say, Coach, I ain't got to do it again. Can't do it again. Exactly. Exactly. It's the thing, you know, we're looking forward to it, Chris, and a lot of people won't say it, but I am pushing this team to get to the Sweet 16 this year. That's the destination for us. That's, that's, that's bold talk, Coach Huey. 
Exactly, exactly. And you got to have a bold life and be a risk taker to be able to accomplish things in life. I don't ever think you can sit back and play weak teams and expect to be able to be great teams. I don't ever think that you can sit back and go on a job and do average work and expect to be promoted. I don't think you can ever uh, go in life and expect to do great things and you don't have a great mindset or a great attitude or a great work ethic to be able to get things done. So, again, it starts in the mind. Um, when you are studying Urban Meyer and Nick Stage saving, you develop a mindset. It just added to what I already have, and it's a bold statement. And I spoke at the TABC clinic in front of a hundred coaches, and I said the same thing I'm saying to you. I'm pushing them, and our destination is to get to Sweet 16. And I assume you told the players that. What was their reaction to it? They always want to go. Always. Excited to hear about it. Because, again, the one thing, Chris, that we have to have in this program, because it runs through myself, is you have to have an edge. At some point in life, you were doubted. At some point in life, someone didn't want to take a chance on you. At some point in life, you screwed up and somebody had to take another chance on you. At some point in life, you had to have a point to where you develop an edge because of the doubt, the naysayers, the haters, however you want to form it. And I have a team full of those, just like me. And we're out to prove people wrong. And, and I know we we touched on it uh, a few times last season, and you proved it correct because you guys were picked 11th in the conference. When it's 11th out of 12 teams last season uh, discussed at the conference media day. And you guys finished, what, fourth or fifth? Fifth. Fifth. So you... You, you check that box, and I'm pretty sure, based on what how you guys did last year, based on the schedule that the conference has already set up, um, you guys will not be picked to finish 11th this year. So let's talk about the schedule breakdown, first from a conference standpoint. Because finishing fifth, it looked like the conference has set it up where the top tier teams in the American play each other twice. So that means U of H is playing Connecticut twice, South Florida twice. Uh, who else are you guys playing twice? UCF twice. And they finished third or fourth, right? Something like that? They finished third. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we only have Cincinnati once. They finished fourth. Um, we got SMU twice because of the rivalry. Mm-hmm. And I think the last team is Temple, but I'm not sure. So they we're going to put twice. So the success you had has resulted in you guys get four games. I'm kind of Connecticut and South Florida four games against top 25 programs right off the bat because, because of your conference. 
Exactly. Exactly. And this is where we should be. It's where we should be and where we aspire to be each and every year. So, Coach Huey, once again, a few weeks ago, uh, both schools announced that um, U of H's first home game for the women's program at Fertitta Center would be against Texas A&M. So, yeah, I've had it. Texas A&M, that's, that's the perennial power now in women's college basketball. What about playing the Aggies? We, we love playing the Aggies. You know, first of all, just talking about Gary Blair and how much respect and how much I've learned from him um, since I've taken this job is just tremendous. Um, just a tremendous person. Uh, I, I just can't say enough about him or his staff. I mean, Kelly Bond and the relationship we already had before I even took the job. Uh, Bob Starkey, same thing. And, um, I mean, it goes on and on. But just to have them where we can be able to play our, you know, uh, what, 45 minutes downtown, cross-town rivals, almost like just because we're so close, um, it's not a reason why we shouldn't play every year. You must um, you must be a fast driver, Coach, because, I mean, College Station takes me about an hour and a half. <laughs> so, I mean, you must you must zoom up, up and down 290 and, and Highway 6 or whatever to get to College Station. But that's okay. I mean, you drive different, listen, differently than I do, apparently. But, no, let's get back to talking about the Aggies and what it means because it'd be great if U of H and A&M women's basketball could play together every year. I'm, I'm telling you, as much as they're up here recruiting, they, they have to be, you know, within 45 minutes or something. Sometimes you wonder because that, that's a good point. You're right, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they'll be loaded again. They'll have the transfer, Aaliyah Jackson um, from Arkansas. She'll be, you know, on the team this year. Uh, Aaliyah Wilson, I'm sorry, not Aaliyah Jackson's already there, Aaliyah Wilson. Um, of course, Kennedy Carter, you know, the, the National Freshman of the Year, I think. Didn't she get that award? Yes, sir. Yep. Exactly. And, and you know, they're adding Sierra Johnson, the 6'4 post that transferred from Louisville also. You know, so they, they're, they're really, really going to have a good challenge for us and a really nice program. And, you know, Gary's postseason every year. Um, but – Again, we want to be measured in the same breath. So you want to play the best. You want to get out and show it. All our kids know their kids. Uh, some of the same high school teams, some of the same AAU teams. So why not play? But we're excited to open up the Fatita Center with them on December the 5th, you know, here in Houston. I think it's going to be a, a, a great occasion, especially we get more of the high school teams out and the AAU teams and some of our alumni back. I think it's going to do wonders for our program, um, having them in the building, especially for what they represented uh, over the last five to seven years. Um, but we're really excited about playing them. Last year's game, we thought got away from us the last five or six minutes of the game. Um, so our young ladies have a little taste in their mouth about that. And, again, that edge is something that's driving us, it's something that's driving us to where we want to have an opportunity to show um, we're a little older now. We're not those freshmen uh, that, that they beat last year. We're not those sophomores that they beat last year. We're a little older, a little wiser, a little stronger. So we're looking forward to the match. 
So you got the Aggies from the SEC. You got anybody from uh, the ACC on the schedule? Yes, we do. We have uh, Georgia Tech. Um, the thing I love about Michelle Joseph is her teams always play hard. Mm-hmm. Always play hard. Um, she has consistently been a winner in the ACC. I think she's probably been there 12 to 15 years now. Um, so really looking forward to get a chance to start a home-and-home series with them. Um, again, Chris, when you talk about going to Sweet 16s and things like that, you have to have the teams that's on your schedule to be able to do those things. Like, Unless- no one's going to report mediocrity. Right. And let me ask you this, because different uh, coaches have uh, different experience when it comes to putting together a schedule. Was it harder this off season, based on U of H's success last season, to get some teams to agree to play you guys? Yes, uh, that was the thing that I laughed about on the road because with all the congratulations on the year, I have a little uh, bitterness. For my first two years, because when we were bad, everybody called and wanted to play. So now that we're winning some games, I asked some of those people who were calling, then, do you want to play now? And they immediately said no. And I just said, oh, it's funny how time changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, yeah, it, it, was, it was really, really um, – What's the word I'm looking for? Just looking in their faces and, and, and seeing them say that is some kind of confirmation. But Georgia Tech is going to be a really tough team. You know, they they have a young lady that we like that I really wanted to um, sign here at Houston, and she can really, really play. Her name is Kiara Fletcher, 5'9 guard. Um, she can play. They also just signed a McDonald's All-American, Liz Dixon, who's a freshman there. Um, they have another kid, a freshman out of Memphis, uh, Arkansas. I can't remember her name. Out of Tennessee, I think. Um, Jasmine. Jasmine Carson. Another kid that's really good for those kids to be freshmen that can play. And um, Michelle Joseph is kind of like us. They don't press a lot. So, again, now you have two pressing teams against each other. So I think it's going to be a really good matchup. And and let me ask you, you touched on your pressing style. Will you guys, based on new talent you have on this year's squad, will you play any differently at all on offense or defense? No, we'll add more pressing. Uh, and it will definitely continue to dribble drive. The thing that we do, Chris, now in recruiting, and it's no secret, when teams get good, uh, this is how they evolve. They recruit to their system. Mm-hmm. So we don't recruit kids who don't come from pressing systems. So, again, they're already coming in, understanding some type of understanding of trapping, rotation, and how hard you have to play, um, and playing full court. So we're not recruiting kids that sit around in zones and things like that. 
Um, the other thing on the offensive end, you got to be able to create your own shot. Um, I think you saw that in our dribble drive stuff last year. So many opportunities, we almost averaged 81 possessions a game. So now you're looking at multiple players that can take you off the dribble to shoot the basketball, get to the rim, and things like that. And we think the more we can evolve like uh, Golden State Warriors, where you got four or five people on the floor that can score, I think that's pretty hard to guard. And let's just talk about two of those key players from last year's team, because I want to get you on record about these two, Jasmine Harris and Angela A.D. Harris. How, what do you expect from them, specifically those two players this season? And I assume you've already mentioned to them what you expect from them, and how have they responded to what you expect from them this year? You know, I asked them both to step it up in leadership. I asked them both to step it up in all the workouts and be leaders on all of that. I asked them both to step it up in the classroom. I asked them both to step it up in just our brand, and they're rising to their occasion. Um, Angela, who was always a great student and, and doing all those things that we ask, and Jazz, who's becoming a 10-time uh, better student now, and is picking it up on the court and, and things like that. But they are up for the challenge. You know, so when we talked about Sweet 16, those two didn't flinch. When we had others that looked at me and kind of stared and like, okay, processing it through their mind that they can make it, that we could be able to do it as a team. And then like, okay, okay, those two right off the bat but like, yeah, we can because their mentality is a little different when you're talking about who they are and their makeup are, their makeup is. And I'm going to wrap it up in a couple, one or two more questions. The um, City of Houston, I guess Monday of this week, was announced that – a men's Final Four will be in Houston for the third time. As a coach of women's college basketball, what would it mean to you? Because Houston is also a finalist uh, as a host city for a women's Final Four, which will be, should be announced in October, but they'll be in town, the committee will be in town in August for a, a site visit. What would it mean to you as a coach of women's college basketball if Houston were awarded a women's Final Four to host? Chris, it'll be the best thing since sliced bread, I'm telling you. Um, when we heard the news about the men's Final Four without you know, hearing anything about the women's yet, uh, the guys are coming here for a second time, I was really pissed. Because, again, we've had Super Bowls here. We've had Jay-Z and Beyonce. We've had Final Fours. We've uh, All-Star Weekends, everything except women's basketball Final Four. And, I mean, so what's the holdup? I, I just don't understand that. So I'm hoping it's awarded and it's awarded quick 
and it's within the next two to three years and not five or seven years down the line. Because, you know, I was really pissed that we hadn't had it here yet. And and let me ask you, what can, what do you think needs to be done to get more people interested in seeing you guys play specifically, of course, but just in general of women's basketball here in the area, because there is so much talent in the greater Houston area, but fans don't come see the talent at U of H at Rice at TSU. Even A&M's attendance has gone down for A&M. So what do you think it, it will take to get those, get the fans to come see your team's play? You know, the first thing I think is when you get the local kids, more local kids have to start staying home because they already have a following from their high school, from their middle schools, from their AAU programs that they play locally. So I think you can continue to raise the attendance with that. Um, secondly, I think uh, we can continue to raise it with, you know, putting a great product on the floor. So, again, win. If not win, make the game exciting. You're not walking the ball up the floor. You're not sitting around in the 2-3 zone. You know, give the people something to come out to cheer for. Um, third, I think that the concessions need to pick up. You know, when I know I'm going to get more than a hot dog and some popcorn, and, you know, it's Houston, you can go and you can get funnel cakes and you can get chicken and you can get whatever it is, uh, different things on the menu besides, you know, I, I mean, I was watching um, uh, one of the baseball games now, I think, in, in Anaheim or something. They're doing some kind of delicacies with um, uh crickets or something and you know people are, I mean they're just exploring all options of just changing what you can serve that game you know those kind of things and then lastly I think you got to bring in the competition you know and you put Kentucky on the schedule people will come because Kentucky's a national brand you know we're putting A&M a national brand um Georgia Tech it's a national brand so when you play in that kind of competition, I think people will come out, especially on top of the, the three other things that we talked about uh, earlier. Coach, we thank you for your time. R- wrap it up right there. 